0: This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast, episode 169. Good day and welcome to this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm your host, podcaster, and author of Fun Fantasy Reads, Jamie Davis. This podcast is exactly what the title says it is, folks. We focus on everything to do with fantasy and sci-fi books on this show. We talk about epic fantasy, urban fantasy. We talk about space opera, military sci-fi, swords and sorcery. I mean, you name it, we try to bring you the best and brightest authors from all the various corners of the fantasy and sci-fi book world. And we bring them here to you on the show in each episode. Alright, um, kicking off things this week, I will be uh, looking into my own author update for you. I am deep into the first draft of Accidental Monk, book 7 in my Accidental Traveler lit RPG game lit series. Um, it's good to get back into this series. I, I'm looking forward to f- getting through this book and, and uh, bringing these characters back to life for the fans out there. And I'm really having a lot of fun exploring the gaming world of Phantasma again, which is a lot of fun um while i'm working on that my editor is still hard at work finishing up the paramedic sorceress and after she's done with it it goes right over to my narrator the very excellent roberto scarlato and he'll be starting on the audiobook version right away um i've adjusted my plan for releasing that book because i want to bring out both the audiobook and the ebook and paperback all together so uh, stay tuned for more updates on that i'm looking at june for that release You can always check out more about everything I'm up to, including sneak peeks of upcoming covers, special giveaways every single month, and a lot more. Just visit my reader group over on Facebook. That's Jamie's Fun Fantasy Readers. And uh, look that up, join the group, um, and uh, you can be participating in the giveaways every month, which I give away. And this month, I think I'm giving away a hat. Um, So we've got a a hat with my Extreme Medical Services logo on it, and um, there'll be a lot more stuff coming in each month as we do different giveaways all the time. Um, You can also also head over to my um, jamudavisbooks.com site if you want as well. Okay, joining us this week on the show is author Anthony Tanelli. Anthony was born in Rio Piedras, Puerto Rico, but grew up in New York City. He now resides in New England with his wife and two young children. He is a student... Uh, At Arizona State University, um, where he majored in history with a focus on the American Revolution. Um, He has loved science fiction and horror since childhood and finally wrote his first feature book titled Legacy, releasing it just this month. His idea that science fiction can be taken as a genre in a completely different direction And what he's done is um, taken some of his favorite sci-fi elements and added them to his new book. We'll talk about that in this episode coming right up. And we'll talk about his book, Legacy, the first in the Dominion series. So here's my chat with Anthony. Anthony, welcome to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. It's great to have you here on the show. Oh, thank you, James. Thank you for having me. Uh, no, it's it's good to have you here. I'm I'm looking forward to chatting about your book and stuff. Uh, but before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background?
1: All right, um, I am. I, this is the book that just came out. Legacy is actually my first published work, uh, which I'm obviously super excited about. Um, for years, I had been wanting to write, but I had done other careers in the meantime i've i've been a professional bartender for 20 some odd years i was professional wrestler for 11 years um which believe it or not actually helped me a great deal when it came to writing um i grew up in new york city i now reside in uh rhode island just outside of providence and um I, I finally got to start writing last year, something that I'd been wanting to do for a while. And I was started with a short story. And next thing you knew, a couple of months later, I had a full novel. And so I went ahead and uh, published it. And um, I'm just, I'm very excited to see what the future holds. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just super excited about the, my book finally being out.
0: No, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, I'm curious though, you know, what, what was it about the being a professional wrestler that, that kind of helped you with your
1: writing career? Um, when we are when we're doing matches, um, I don't think it's a big surprise to anyone that most of the outcomes are predetermined. We all know that. <clears throat> However, what a lot of people may not understand is that um, even though the outcome may be predetermined, everything that happens leading up to that point is not necessarily predetermined. Um, basically, especially when you're an independent wrestler, like I was at the smaller shows, um, what ends up happening is you're told what the outcome is supposed to be. And then it's up to you and the other guy to kind of tell that story leading up to that point. And it plays a lot on psychology because essentially we're telling a, whatever, 5, 10, 15, 20 minute story without using any words. So. How we put it together and how, how our body language works and how we interact with the audience was a, is a huge part of how we tell that story and how effective it is. Um, and so what I did for years was when I sat down to think about what I was going to do in a match, um, I'd sit down with whoever I was, I was working with, and we basically determined three points of the match. We figured out the beginning, the transition, which is the middle part, and the finish, when I got to do this book, I, the, like I said, I started writing a short story. So I already had the beginning. I knew what I wanted the end of it to be. Once I decided it was going to be a novel, I knew what the end of it was. And I had a pretty good idea of what to do in the middle. And then everything else you do by feel, which is the way I write. So when people ask me, are you a plotter or are you a pantser? I think I'm a planter. <laughs> I do a little bit of both. You know, I plot the main stuff and then everything else. I kind of let the characters in the story tell me what comes next.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I think that the, there's no such thing as a pure pantser or plotter. I think it's a continuum and it's like a sliding scale. And, and actually with, when I've, you know, the books I've written, uh, I find different books require different amounts of one or the other. Um, and so it's not even the same for me all the time as a writer either. Right.
1: Um,
0: Oof. yeah, but that's, that's cool. Um, and so this story that, that, expanded from a short story into a full novel is legacy.
1: Yes, it is. Yes. So why don't you um, tell us a little bit about it? Um sure. Um well first of all, here it is right here. Also available in Espanol. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah I can. Yeah oh, it's okay. I was just
0: um saying it's available in Spanish too. Yep. I noticed that. <clears throat>
1: Yes, it's available in both languages. I'm actually a native Spanish speaker. Uh, even though I grew up in New York City, at home, we only spoke Spanish because my grandmother didn't speak English. So I grew up fully bilingual. Um, so I actually did the Spanish version myself. Um, uh, Legacy is a story that involves the, – the, it, it's a sci-fi story, first and foremost. Um, it's based on time travel. Um, but uh, it also is historical fiction because it takes place – during the American Revolutionary War. Um, so good part of it takes place there. And then the rest of the story takes place in year 2276, uh, also in New York City. Um, so these two stories, these two timelines are happening about two miles away from each other, over 400 years apart. Um, if if you don't mind, um, I could read you the, the blurb so the audience kind of gets an idea what the story is. Go for it. All right. <clears throat> so here it is. As the American Revolution rages on in the colonies, operatives from the Dominion are there to give birth to democracy in the United States as part of a bigger plan to spread freedom throughout the world. What the colonists don't know is that some of the most prominent figures rebelling alongside them have traveled back in time from the 22nd century to secure a victory for the colonies. When the console, the machine that sent them back in time malfunctions, it leaves the operatives trapped in 18th century America. The operatives fight to stay alive long enough to get back home, while their team in the 22nd century works furiously to bring them back safely. The operatives must try to get back home while still carrying out their mission to free the colonies or risk drastically altering history and freedom as we know it forever. If their mission fails, they will come back to an America that never gained its freedom. The America they departed from will no longer exist. As time begins to run out in both centuries, a sinister plot is uncovered, They may bring down the dominion and leave the operatives stranded in a war zone 400 years in the past. The future of America and democracy in the world hangs in the balance. You know, and I got to think if I was somebody from the future, um, I would
0: be frightened (laughs) to death to be stuck in 18th century America with, you know, um, you know, leeches being the predominant form oh, of yeah. medical care.
1: <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's, you know, we, we kind of take that stuff for granted because we look at moder- our lives nowadays and we think, well, this is always here. Well, it wasn't someone invented it at some point, which means that at some point during human civilization, that stuff did not exist. This was a hundred and some odd years before penicillin was even invented. If you got a cut and it got infected, it wasn't going to go well for you, you know. So, um, you know, things, small things like that, that we don't even really think of nowadays, were really a major thing back in those days. So, you're 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 right to be scared about something like that. Um, <clears throat> I think that uh, our comfort zone always comes from what's familiar to us, and once we're taking out of what's familiar to us, um, it can be a little nerve wracking because uh, the things that we normally have available to us. Uh, are not there. So, um, that, that actually does play in the story. Um, you know, there's a part where one of the main characters says, you know what, I I love it here. I love what we're doing here. I have no desire to stay here, you know, and and that kind of speaks to that. What drew you to
0: write about the American revolution as part of your time travel, time travel tale?
1: Um, I first got the idea, first of all, I'm a a history major at Arizona State. So history was always, history and science fiction were two of my favorite things. And I found a way to blend them together. Um, For me, what drew me to that is um, I I, I came up with originally with the idea of, while well, I was researching democracy, I said, well, who's you know, who actually invented, how did this actually start? So you go through books and you do deep research, and you realize that there was a guy in Greece named Cleisthenes, who is known as the father of democracy. His idea was one man, one vote, which is what we eventually evolved into what we have nowadays. Um, so I decided, what if that guy used that idea and went to different places to basically with you know with the foreknowledge of what's supposed to happen and what could happen what if he went to different pa- places and started fomenting revolutions to make sure that that is the system that prevails in the future well the only way to do that is to take him into well into the future where you have the technology to do this and prepare him for this and then send them to different time periods um, to basically carry out these missions. Um, and then for example, in the second book it takes place in the year 439 BCE in Rome. So it there's, it, it it's, it's, it's really cool writing in different time periods um, with someone who has knowledge of what has already, what, what's supposed to be coming, what's in the record book, so to speak. So I guess how many books are you envisioning
0: for the series where, I mean, that's how many different time periods are you looking to write in?
1: Well, this series will have, will have three. Um, this first one, which is the American revolution. And, um, and in the background, there's always the ongoing story of the dominion, which is the organization that built this machine and is basically a, 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 a consortium of, of sci- of the top scientists in the world. Um, in the second book, Ancient Rome and the Revolution of Latin America are both featured there. Um, it's, it's almost side by side, because when you can time travel, you can say, hey, I'm done with this time period and I'm going to go to this one. Um, the third one, I'm not quite sure. I know what's happening as the main backdrop of the story for the, the story in 2276. Um as far as where they're going to go historically, I haven't planned that one out just yet, um, because I, I, I wanted to find something that would go well, but I also didn't want it to overshadow the second part of the story, which is going to be a big deal, because that is actually the conclusion of this series, as of now, we'll see how that goes, Um So I I want it to be, uh, you know, if I was going to finish it, I want it to be a nice, strong finish. So I want to dedicate a lot of time to it uh, in the 23rd century. Um, But inevitably, in order for the story to happen, there has to be time travel. So someone's going to go somewhere.
0: It's interesting I wrote um a historical fiction uh fantasy series um that's a spin-off of my urban fantasy series and there's a there are angels in that series and one oh. of them is a is a nurse essentially and tr- has been around for you know millennia and um so I, w- I thought it'd be fun to like have her be part of the impetus to encourage Florence Nightingale to um, develop her nursing techniques <laughs> in Crimea and then come forward to the American Civil War and and develop American nursing practices that have spur yeah. sprung up during that time frame and you know get to meet Walt Whitman and and some of the other famous nurses wow. at the time okay. um so it was fun to write those two books just to kind of explore her past um and not to not necessarily time travel cuz she's just essentially always there but um you know it was it was fun to do. And, and, and I, I had a history minor, so I was really loving to explore mm. my passion for military history throughout the, the ages and, and how that affected medical care, you know, every time medical advancements tend to, to come during wartime, because that was when a lot of interest was put towards mm. understanding causes of injury and illness.
1: So. Right. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's interesting that you that you mentioned that because I think one of the mythological, mythical characters that I've always kind of been drawn to was the biblical character of Methuselah, which was someone who supposedly lived thousands of years, you know, hundreds and thousands of years. Um, and I was a huge fan of the Highlander series, and I, I remember thinking, well, you know, how would how you know what would something like that be like? You, you imagine seeing like the centuries passing by and um, you know, you would have seen so much, but at the same time, you also see, you'll see a lot of great things, but you also see a lot of sad things. You would have seen a lot of wars. Um, and one of the things that I always had a hard time, like would I ever be able to write something like that was, was kind of like the pain that goes with it because you live on, but people that you care about die off as, as you Um, So it brought me to the question of, well, you know, if you live for a thousand years or you're immortal or whatever, um, you know, how does someone deal with that kind of loss? I mean, you know, we just go through that on a regular basis, just, you know, in our lifetime. Um, And then what's, what's that like, you know, for the next thousand years mourning on a regular basis over people that are gone. So um, that's an interesting take on it. So what I did with my guy was I had to move forward. Um, And there's actually the the second chapter in the book retells the story of how he was brought from ancient Greece to like the futuristic to, to the to New York city in the future. And, um, and just the, the, the culture shock alone, you know, just the shock of being in a machine, electricity, uh, you know, uh, being able to go from one place to another. Be, remember that at this, at that time when he first existed, there was no such thing as the new world. People in Greece thought the world ended at the end of the Aegean Sea. They had no idea that there was what was beyond that. So, um, it really makes them into a very complex and like really, really interesting character. Um, so that was the, the, that was the original idea to write the story. And it wasn't the first one I was supposed to write. I was supposed to write something else. And I wrote this as a short story and I just kind of got wound up in it and the story just started kind of writing itself. And I found these great characters that I was able to develop and I just went with it. Um, but the story that, the, the series that I really wanted to do is the one that I'm going to do next year. Um, the second series, which that same machine that can travel through time can also travel to universes. It's a multi-time, multiverse machine. So um, you can be in the exact same right now. You could you know, travel to another universe, and it's happening simultaneously with what's happening here, um, but in a completely different version of Earth. Um, so it gives me a lot of opportunity to write uh, a lot of stuff like that, and. and a lot of it will have a historical context to it, um, just because I, I love using stuff like that as a backdrop as inspiration, and then I kind of tweak it to my own style.
0: No, that's great, and and I think that you know time travel and history lend itself you know so well to each other because obviously you know the ability to go into the past gives you the options to do, do you influence the past? Do you just live in part of the past? Are you actually? already in the past and didn't realize it because you'd already gone there. Right. Right. Um, You know, there's so many, the the paradox of time travel makes it kind of fun to experiment and explore some of those things.
1: Yeah. I, I, and I remember as I was writing it, I I remember thinking like, you know, these people are interacting with, you know, with, with with, with historical figures. Um, And the idea is that, you know, the ideas they put forth kind of helped influence the founding fathers um however you still if you actually meet with them if you there's always a chance that you will alter history you know so even though the 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 whole point on a mission is they want to be able to go in do carry out the mission whatever that mission is and be able to get back to their time period without ever anyone knowing they were there or missing them you know um and that's very hard to do to be highly influential on that level, and still be covert enough that you can disappear and no one will say anything. Um, so that that created um that created some some fun stuff for me to work with, um, because uh, it 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 goes to what's more important. Is it more important to have you know the the, the glory of being uh, credited with having done this, or is it more important to just kind of silently go back home and know that you influenced it's kind of like you know do you make it public or is it private and um that's part of what the characters kind of wrestle with there's there's a there's a scene in there where one of the guys uh was kind of invited by jefferson to sit in at independence hall and kind of watch the declaration being signed now think about that he's an american from the future his entire life has been based on you know a, a the declaration and the constitution and stuff. And he actually got to go back and watch the document actually being signed. You know, the only people he could tell is someone that was there that, that knew of who he was because they were there for the same reason. Um, he'd love to be able to scream it to everybody else, but you're really not supposed to do that because you were not supposed to be there in the first place. So it creates that that really unique dynamic, which also helps with team building because there's only a certain number of people that you can trust with why you're there.
0: No, it sounds like a fascinating story and, 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 um, looking, I'm sure folks will be looking forward to, uh, getting the second book in the series. Um, what's the progress on that? Do you have a, do you have an idea of when you're thinking about that'll be released? I'm
1: looking at August 17th.
0: Awesome. So this year people people can look forward to that. Yeah.
1: I, I, my plan is to, I should be able to put one out every four months. Now I can because I did the first one and that one took me a while. And when the first time that you that you published, it's like so many things, even like formatting files, and you just kind of learn as you go. Um, now I have that part of it down pat. So now it's just the writing part. And because I write a lot of historical fiction stuff, um, it's important for me for the characters to be in the right time period. And um, like like, for example, like in the second story, part of it takes place in ancient Rome. So I thought hmm, maybe we can mix gladiators in there. However, gladiators did not exist at that. They didn't exist in 439 BCE. That It was a very different Rome at that time. So I said, okay, can't do that. I said, well, what about bathhouses? That was always where, you know, meetings took place and stuff, very social places. They didn't exist either. So I had to get creative about where I put these stories at uh, because uh, I wanted it to be true to form. I, I always felt that if I, when I'm writing science fiction, I would want a scientist to be able to read that and say, Okay, we know that it's it's fiction, but it's plausible. You know, the, the the scientific facts are there to kind of back it up that it might happen. Well, historical fiction to me is the same way. I want a historian to be able to look at it and say, well, they did have that. That place did exist. Those people were there at that time and place, so it's possible that this could have happened. That's the way I approach it. Um, so I there's, there's a... Uh, There's a lot of research there. And I know other people that write fiction do, you know, obviously they do research as well. Um, But I do a lot of historical uh, uh, research in order to make sure that it's correct, that it's plausible and that someone reads it. It's it's, a believable story. Even though I'm telling them about someone who was born 27 centuries ago, traveling through time. (laughs) I still want it to be believable. (laughs) It's
0: interesting. I, you know, I know, you know, that's almost a necessity in historical fiction is to do a significant amount of research. Um, a good friend of mine, J. Cl- Clifton Slater, who writes historical fiction set in um, pre, I guess, pre-Legionary times in Rome. So probably yeah. in the same about, about Yeah. In, yeah. And, and he talks about, you know, this is before the Legions when they were all basically levies from the areas around Rome um, to mm. to raise their their troops, and then they had the 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 officer corps and the and the um, uh, you know, the um, non commissioned officer corps that okay. were there to grab you know take the levies and put, turn them into troops. And he writes in that time frame about one of those one of those non commissioned officers, and and yeah, it comes a, up.
1: It's there's a it's, it's it's a lot of research and you will find, remember how we said earlier that when you go back in time, there's a lot of things we take for granted that we're like, oh, you know, oh, they didn't have that. They didn't have this. Well, the further back in time you try to write, the less stuff is actually available for you to work with. And more importantly, um, depending on how how deep you're doing research, there's also less source material available. You know, um, Classic Rome has got, I mean, there's like, thousands of textbooks on the Roman Republic. Um, but the further back you go in time, the harder it is to find material on it. Why? I think we, we have a fascination with that time period because a lot of Western civilization was based on what the Roman Republic did. But before that time, there were people there too. There was, there was, there was a whole social life that was there too, but it didn't impact us as much as things like you know, having, having a Senate, having people vote, having representation. Um, so, for whatever, we're not as fascinated. And also, it coincided with the time when Rome went from a local kingdom to being the biggest empire in the world. Um, when you look at a map of Rome at its, at its height, it's staggering. It's staggering that a city that small controlled everything from northern Africa all the way up to, to the northern part of, of what is now the UK and as far west as Spain. Um they were just and you know, eventually they conquered even towards the east, towards Greece and macedonia it, it, was, it was just a, an enormous empire um to be managed in a time when there was no telephone communication, very little written communication, and that took weeks to get places um, they didn't have uh they didn't have any of the resources we have now. there was no satellites, there was no maps, there was none of that stuff, and yet that one small city absolutely rule the entire western world um and i think that's what's so fascinating about i think that's why so many of us are kind of drawn to the stories from there because it's 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 an incredible feat to be able to accomplish that much with so little um so the further back you go you kind of find less and less source material so at the time period what i'm writing at um would have been during the republic um but there was a major crisis at the time, and that's actually a historical fact. Um, a guy named Cincinnatus was uh, uh, elected dictator twice um, in order to kind of restore order during a military crisis, um, and um, he chose to abdicate power. Well, in reality, he did. Not in my book, he didn't. So that kind of that gives us the, the jumping point, jump off point to where the story kind of takes a turn and becomes more fiction than, than reality.
0: Sounds fascinating, and I'm sure uh, folks are going to really enjoy it. I urge folks to check out Legacy and the, the upcoming books in the series as they come out. Um, that's, uh, Legacy's out now, so you can get it both in English and in Espanol. So that's wonderful. Uh, and, and I'm excited to have had a chance to chat with you about it, Anthony.
1: This was great, James. Thank you very much. I, yeah, I, I, was, I was excited about coming on, and it was actually it was a great time. So thank you for that.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. And that's going to wrap up this episode of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. I hope you'll catch up with us for a whole lot more from the whole fantasy and sci-fi focus community, which you can find over on Facebook in the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Focus group. And of course, you can also find the podcast and the website over at fantasy-focus.com. Leave a comment while you're over on this episode, either on the uh, Facebook group or over on the website. Also on the website, on each podcast episode post, you'll find links to subscribe to the show on your favorite mobile app, so uh, iOS, Android, or even by email if you want. Make sure you do that so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up for you, including our next episode with author J.E. Muller. That's it for this episode, though, of the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy Reads. Don't forget to follow me over on Facebook at Jamie Davis Books and at my website, jamiedavisbooks.com, where if you want, you can get a free book. Just sign up for my newsletter while you're over there. Whatever you do, though, subscribe and come back here for the next podcast. And while you're waiting, folks, don't forget, keep your eyes open out there because there's magic all around you.